Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Well, welcome to Authentic Church. Man, I don't know about you, but during worship, I was wrecked. Gosh, that was so beautiful, you know? There's something about the presence of God. And, you know, our, our church, we have a simple vision. Our vision is that we would be a place where people would encounter God, that they'd discover community, and that we would all fulfill God's call on our lives. If you don't have an encounter with God, you end up having head knowledge and an empty religion. And an encounter with God changes you. Like, I don't know about you, but I had an encounter with God that rocked my world, and I suddenly, my eyes were open, my spirit became alive to the things of God. And if you don't discover community and your lone wolf in it, it's going to be a really difficult time for you. We need each other. We need the sense of community. So if you've been praying, you're wondering like, man, I don't know if I should go to church. The Lord is saying, go to church. (laughs) You're saying, I don't know if I should join a connect group. The Lord would tell you today, join a connect group. You're going to need it more than you think you'll need it. It's the days when you don't think you need it the most is usually when you need to go and God deposits something. And you don't even know. Sometimes when you go to a connect group, you don't, you might just be showing up there and everything could be awesome in your life. But the person you're talking to is you guys are grabbing chips and salsa or whatever. Things aren't awesome in their life. And you simply showing up and being a smiley face, a loving, a a person that's filled with hope and, and faith in that moment for them, that could be the difference maker in their life. I can't tell you how many times I walked into a room where I just felt beat up, man. And I might have smiled out here, but inside I was broken. And just being in the presence of other faithful people, man, it lifted me up. Helped me stay on the path that God had for me. So don't discount gathering together. And uh, we're jumping into a series. It's going to be a a four-week series, uh, unless the Lord steers us otherwise. It's going to be a four-week series that we titled Fearless and Free. And, you know, you don't have to be an expert in psychology to know that there's something broken in our world right now. Uh, anxiety is up and to the right, all-time high. Depression, up and to the right. Um, substance abuse, um, suicide, every, everything has increased, especially in our areas of the world that are more technologically advanced. <laughs> I think there's an interesting correlation that, the, that there's different people groups in the world where they don't have as much technology and access to technology as we do. And suddenly they didn't know that there was an incredible pandemic. And somehow they haven't experienced um, all the trauma that we've experienced with our uh, online social uh, gr- uh, different accounts and things like that that has really separated us from being social. I remember going and in, in meeting with an incredible um, uh, neuroscientist. Her name's uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf. She's a professional counselor and just really an expert. And her and her husband were doing a small gathering in Texas when we were living out there. And so my wife and I got to meet with them. And one of the things that she said is that because of the level of uh, use of technology in our young people now, that literally uh, the speed at which they're moving online and all of us have adapted into this, it's actually reformatting the way that the brain fires. And so this conversation with you and me right now it's not going fast enough for them because they're used to a world that's just going at mock speed. And they, they have to learn how to quiet down their, their minds. And I think for all of us, if we're honest, there's times in our days 
our weeks, our life, where we just need to pause and just quiet our minds. And so our hope is that over the course of this series, uh, that this is going to be a bit of a, uh, a, a, a tool belt for you, that you're going to get new tools in your spiritual tool belt on how to deal with anxiety, how, how to deal with thoughts that are anxious and running rampant that just doesn't make sense, how to deal with depression. And maybe, maybe it's not necessarily for you, but maybe through you, the Lord's going to give you one of the, some of the things that we're going to share that you're going to be able to go and provide hope to that person that's really going through something. So we're praying that this is going to be uh, a, a real great time of equipping um, for every person. I'm going to do the first two weeks, and then uh, we have Nicole Edgman, uh, the, the heavy hitter, the professional counselor, author, speaker. She's going to be sharing the last two weeks, and, and we were talking yesterday going through some of our notes because I wanted to make sure that we didn't cross-reference each other too much on the same subject and we were going through it, and she was sharing with me uh, her, her series that she's going to be speaking within this, and it's just powerful. So I just want to really encourage you, not for the sake of attending church, but for the sake of you receiving an impartation from the Lord, I want to encourage you, do not miss the next four weeks. Obviously, you're here today, so you got one out of the way, but the next three weeks, I think, will be really, really, really encouraging. And, you know, this is one of the, one of the reasons this is so important to us. It's, it's one, of the, one of the things that we have as part of the culture of authentic church. If you haven't seen this before, we call this our culture card. Um, it has our vision listed out on there and, and some of the attributes that make authentic a little bit unique. Also has our leadership standards. So if you ever wonder what, what's it like to be a leader and authentic, that's laid out. But on the back side, we have a list of core values. And one of the core values that we have is health. And I think we're, we have a slide on that. And, and the way that we say it, the axiom for it is fit for eternity. We practice healthy living by engaging in rhythms of rest and growth for our spirit, soul, and body, allowing us to run the race for which we have been called. Like, you know, for us that, that do ministry together and we serve together, we never want anyone in this church to sacrifice their own health on the altar of ministry. Like, relationship with you is more important than any ministry that any one of you would do here on a Sunday morning. And so we really desire that, that, uh, that you lean into this series. And I just want to also take the stigma as we talk about this. I want to take away any stigma you might feel if you've battled with anxiety or depression or whatever it might be in your life you feel like you know you're coming up against because you battle with anxiety or depression or emotional outbursts i want to i want to just encourage you it does not make you less of a christian uh it doesn't make you less of a husband it doesn't make you less of a son or a daughter it doesn't make you less of a friend it 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 shows you that you're human and that you're dealing with stuff that we all deal with and sometimes we don't realize the, uh, the amount of things that we're carrying around, and then we get put under pressure, and it's like the old adage, right? You want to see what's in that tea bag? Put it in hot water. You want to see what's really inside of a person? See what comes out when they're under pressure. And the goal is that through this, that you're going to get some tools in the tool belt to know what to do when, that, when you feel that pressure come, when you feel that anxiety creep up, when you feel that depression try to hit you, you're going to have a place to go with that. 
And so, you know, uh, Jesus said, he says, I come to bring life. But he, he talked a lot in addition to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. He also warned us about the ways of the devil. And he said this in John 8, 44. Jesus says, he, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding on to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And then in John 10, 10, uh, Jesus goes on to share that his mission, he kind of discloses the mission of the devil. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the mission. Steal, kill, destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And you know, when it comes to Satan, when it comes to the devil, uh, he is the cruelest person I, I, I've, I've ever seen in action. He's the a, he's a cruelest person I've, I've ever come across. Like cruel, beyond cruel. Like if you could think of uh, the, the worst, most evil, cruel, uh, murderer, hater of people uh, that ever lived, I promise you behind that person was the devil. Like that's what he does. And what he does is he tries to impact different people like a puppet to play into his scheme that he can then uh, show himself through. Uh, we prayed earlier for Isaac and Melly, and, and one of the things that I've always loved about Isaac is, you know, he just is such a beautiful image bearer of Christ. You really are. Like when I spend time with Isaac, I, I feel like I spend time with Jesus. <laughs> he's just got a sweet presence, and you see that when he's leading worship with people. I'm sure he has his moments. I'm sure his mom and dad would say he definitely had his moments at times. But, the, but there's a sweetness that comes through. We are, as Christians, called to be image bearers of Christ. Well, people that don't know Christ, they could fall into being the wrong image bearers, and they're image bearers, and they're tools in Satan's hands. And if, if you have struggled in any of these areas, you're going to get some new tools today that are going to help you, and, and, and this is going to be, it's going to be a great time. And, and, you know, Jesus shares what Satan does, and you look back through history. I love going back and looking at different figures in the Bible and kind of putting myself in the story. And as I prayed into this series, there was two key people that the Lord really highlighted to me, uh, two figures of history um, that the Lord highlighted to me to kind of camp out on when I was studying. And one was King David, and the other was the prophet Elijah. And both did incredible things for God. And both experienced incredible deep levels of depression, um, anxiety. Uh, some walked into sin. David walked into a lot of sin with what he felt and, and, and what he did. He had some great awesome times where he slayed Goliath. Man, we know that one. He was the, the, the musician in the field, you know, playing to the sheep, and he was a shepherd. We know that about him. Uh, we, we know how he was so respectful and honoring of Saul, even on the run. He still respected and honored him. We see that we see David raising up 300 mighty men. You know, you see him raise up his mighty men. We know that he was a great leader. Uh, he was a great warrior, strategist, got things from God and, and strategies of how to go and take cities and conquer and set things in order. And he had all these great things. But in his later years, he kind of started to slip up a little bit, if you will. And he committed adultery and committed some different sins that if, if there was a leader today in the church that committed those sins... They most, most times, they are not allowed to go back to a church. Most times, they're ostracized. But it said this about David, 
that he strengthened himself in the Lord. And this is in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. It says David was greatly distressed. He, he experienced depression. He experienced uh, people rising up against him. He experienced people accusing him of lies and, and hurling insults at him. And it says even though he was greatly distressed, one of the secrets that David gives to all of us is that he learned how to strengthen himself in the Lord. And I, if I could just tell you, one of, the, one of the best things that you can learn to do as a Christian is to not wait for a pastor to feed you on Sunday morning, but a sign of spiritual maturity is at some point in my life, growing up as a young boy, becoming an adolescent, I learned how to make breakfast myself, right? <laughs> there was a time where my mom and dad are like, you're old enough, son, you go fix your own breakfast if you're hungry. Mom and I are off, it's Saturday, <laughs> you know? Like there's a time in spiritual maturity where you learn to eat and feast on the word of God and you learn to, to wait and spend time in the presence of God. And in spiritual maturity is seen not just hearing a word that's great on Sunday, but can you steward that on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and growing in your faith? And David learned how to strengthen himself in the Lord. And later on in life, he experiences incredible pain. Stories told of David where he is literally being forced out of Jerusalem. He's fleeing because he has one of his own sons that's turned against him and launched a coup. His son's name was Absalom. And Absalom has the idea like, I'm, I'm better than dad. Dad's done. He's old news. It's my time to shine. People are looking to me as a leader. And he starts to kind of, you know, be the guy that's like walking like he's too cool for school. And, and he doesn't remember some of the battles that his dad went through. He doesn't remember that his dad had these mighty, he doesn't remember all these different things. And suddenly he thinks he's better than he really is. And so Absalom starts launching this coup against David, and he actually garners a lot of favor with the people. Usually that kind of favor in those days was done by fear, because they were like, well, if we don't side with him and he ends up becoming king, then he's going to come back and kill me and take my wife and my daughters and lead them off, take all my land. So I might as well just go along with him. I guess Absalom's the guy. And so he starts garnering a lot of favor and attention from a lot of the people, and he leads this coup. David hears about it. David's just frustrated, distressed. He's like, I don't, I don't understand what's happening. My own son is turning against me. And so David begins to flee. So he's losing his family. Uh, he's losing the position that God placed him in to govern and lead the people of God. I mean, just ripped out of him, out of his hands. And he's being pushed out of the place that he loved to be. He's being pushed out away from the temple where he would go and worship. And he's, he's going around. And then there's a guy named Shimei from the house of Saul. And he comes and he kicks David when he's down. And that's what Satan does. And, and this guy Shimei is a picture of what Satan does to everyone. Second Samuel 6, 16, verse 7 through 8. He, Shimei is yelling. He said, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. Rogue there, if you look in your Bible, that, that means worthless person. You're a worthless person. Here's this guy yelling at King David, the, the mighty warrior, the mighty king that commanded troops into battle and led thousands and took cities. And here he is taunting him as David's leaving the city. And he's yelling all these things at him. He says, the Lord's brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord's delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. 
So now you are caught in your own evil because you are a bloodthirsty man. And he goes on to say in verse 13, And as David and his men went along the road, Shimei went along the hillside opposite him and cursed him as he went. He threw stones at him. He kicked up dust. Now the king and all the people who were with him, they were weary. So they refreshed themselves there. So they paused and they refreshed themselves. This is a picture of what Satan does. When you're down, he wants to kick you. He wants to throw stones at you. He wants to hurl insults of you. He's also been called the accuser of the brethren. Anytime you get around a quote-unquote fellow Christian and they're constantly accusing or speaking negatively about a pastor or a leader or the church of God, I would just encourage you, step out of that conversation and relationship sooner rather than later. Because it's only a matter of time before they're going to be hurling insults at you, okay? And so it's during this time of immense stress and pressure that David chooses to go and strengthen himself in the Lord. And what does he do? He writes these words that we're going to read today out of Psalms 42. And if you read Psalms 42 and verse 40, and, and 43, the two chapters, theologians believe they were actually one chapter. They just got divided in two when they, when they put it in uh, to, the, to the Old Testament but that they were actually one psalm in completion. I'm going to show you a little bit of that. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me there to Psalms 42. We're going to be in Psalms 42, verse 1 through 5 is where we're going to camp out. Let me pray. Let's pray that God illuminates his word to us today. It's always a good idea to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you whenever you read the word of God, all right? So Holy Spirit, we just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for illuminating, bringing things to light today. God, we ask right now that you would touch our minds, that we would have fresh revelation today, that we'd receive from you today. Lord, nobody came to hear me speak, but we all came to hear you speak. So Lord, we ask you to speak. Your servants have gathered. We're listening. We're expectant. God, I pray that you'd speak to every heart and mind in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Psalms 42. Are you there? Say amen. All right, if you don't have your Bible and this is new for you, totally cool. We got a big Bible on the screen you can follow along with, all right? Psalms 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you downcast? Why are you cast down? Excuse me. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Those, so this, this psalm is where there's a famous song that came out back in the 80s before I was saved, but I heard it after I was saved that was as the deer, right? As the deer panted for the water, Lord, my soul. I won't sing the whole song. Anyways, it's a really pretty choral-esque type of a song. That's where, that's where uh, uh, the writer Marty, he, he, he got the words from, from the psalms and then put it to music and sang that, that beautiful song. And that's where it comes from. And and you, you see these scriptures and these words, and sometimes we read over it, as the deer pants for water, my soul pants for you. It's like, cool, that's a cool picture. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever seen a deer in the wild, 
but it's very rare if you've ever seen a deer that you're ever going to see a deer panting. It's actually very, you know, like a dog walks up to you, a dog will be, <laughs> right, a dog walks up and you're just panting all excited to see you. You'll never see that. A deer will not wander into your yard one day panting, okay? I, I was just with my family. We were over in, in Zion National Park in, in Utah, and it's gorgeous. If you've never been there, put it on your list, and please do yourself a favor. Drive there. It's seven hours drive. Uh, drive past Vegas. Just keep going and get to Utah. Uh, it is glorious. It's absolutely glorious. And, and one of the days we were there, we rented these e-bikes uh, for the day, and we were riding. We rode like 20-some-odd miles with our friends, the Dolbys that are here, and, and so we're riding up the canyon and everything, and as we crossed over the Court of the Patriarchs, which is named, uh, they have the Court of the Patriarchs, and if you've not been there, there's these massive mountains. It's just like one mountain, one glorious uh, cliff uh, hill after another, and, uh, and, and they named them the Court of the Patriarchs, and the names are literally one mountain's Abraham, one mountain's Isaac, and one mountain's Jacob. I kid you not. And so we're driving through and just passing the court of the patriarchs, and you're just like, oh, this can't get any better. And then we came upon this little family of deer, and they were just sitting there. And because they hadn't experienced any predators because they're protected there, they just literally hung out like from me to you. They were just this close, and we just sat there with our bikes and just watched them as they ate, right? You'll never see a deer panting except for one time. The only time that you will ever see a deer panting is when they're being chased by the enemy. And the first place they'll go is to water. In fact, experts on deer, they'll tell you that when a deer is being chased, like its heart is racing so fast that it can actually lose 80% of the water intake that it had in its reserves can be gone. If they're chased long enough, they literally can faint and die which is what happens to gazelles on the wild, right? Part of the deer family. You see gazelles in the wild and that lion's chasing them. It's just a matter of time before that sucker slows down and they're able to get it. And so the, 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 the deer, the only time it'll ever pant is when it's thirsty for water. And, and after a chase, the first place it'll go is to water. David is saying, I'm being chased. My enemy is attacking me. And the first place I'm going is the water. I'm going to you, God. I'm coming to you. That's, a, that's where I'm going to receive my help. David learned to strengthen himself. All right, so four things. Number one, you need to recognize that you're in a battle. Recognize that you're in a battle. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. If you're not taking notes, write that down. You can, number one, you recognize you're in a battle. Psalms 42 verse 3, it says, They continually say to me, where is your God? And this is a tactic of the enemy. Where is your God? Like, I thought you were a Christian. How, how, what, what, what did you, how did you fall into that sin? I thought you were a Christian. How, how did you do that? I th where is God? Where is, I, I thought, I thought you, you tithed and you gave to the Lord. How is it that you're having a hard time paying your bills all of a sudden? Where is your God? I, I, I thought that Christ was the center of your relationship and it seems like you and your wife, you guys are fighting all the time. Where is your God? Like, the devil just starts to hurl insults no matter where you are in life. You're going to face a battle at some time. Recognize what it is. Like the devil loves the element of surprise, right? The, the best attack, it's the element of surprise. I, I say, you got deviled. <laughs> you got deviled. You, you didn't mean to see something, say something, do something, whatever. It's like, whoa, I just feel like I got hit out of the blue. You got deviled. Like, he loves the element of surprise. So just recognize that there's a battle that's raging. And I want to, I want to teach you a phrase that's out of Zechariah 3, somewhere in Zechariah 3, and then also in Jude 9. 
They make this statement, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. In other words, how dare you talk to a son or daughter of God like that? Like you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. So when the devil starts mouthing off to you, like all he does is lie. He's the father of lies. Don't listen to his junk. Just say those words. Just say, the Lord rebuke you. Can you just try that? Can you say it with me? The Lord rebuke you. And you're all looking at me, so that feels a little odd as the pastor being rebuked by 100 people at once. But the Lord rebuke you. Get that into your spirit. We just go, you know what? This, the Lord rebuke you. I'm not even going to engage in that. The Lord rebuke you. I'm not going to go down that path. The Lord rebuke you. Be aware of the battle. And so I kind of have two sub points in regards to the one point. Uh, so uh, number one, recognize you're in the battle. My two sub points are this, number, letter A. The battle is real. The battle is real. I understand the battle is real. You're really feeling those emotions. You're really feeling those feelings. I'm not saying you're not. And then letter B, it's a lie. <laughs> Sounds like an oxymoron. Uh, in other words, it's a real lie. It's a real lie. And what happens when you're in an attack, what the devil tries to do, he, he likes to bring up evidence, right? Let me give you an example. Joseph, right? So, so Joseph is going out with his brothers. He's got the coat of many colors. He's kind of bragged and kind of ran his mouth off a little too many times. And his brothers are like, we're done with it. They throw him into a pit. They take his robe. And they, what they do is they tear it up. They dip it in blood. And they bring it back to the dad, right? They bring it back to Jacob. And they say, is this your coat of your son? And his dad looks at it. And he's like, yes. Oh, and, his, and the dad says, he must have been eaten by a wild animal. Now, was Joseph eaten by a wild animal? No. Did it look like it? Yeah. Like, but the devil likes to produce all this false evidence and bring things up, and, 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 and it starts to mess with you. And, and you can be held back by, oh, man, I, I wish I didn't say, or I should have said, or did I say that, or did I do that? Um, and you start to go down this, this rabbit hole of things that you did, and it's just like, okay, time out. The devil is at work. Like, it's no problem. Just, you, know, you can blame it on the rain or blame it on the devil, right? I mean, it's like, I, the Lord rebuke you. Get out of my head. So number one, recognize you're in a battle. And then number two, stop listening to yourself. Stop listening to yourself. So Psalms 42 verse four, David says, when I remembered these things, oh, I poured out my soul within me. So what does pour out your soul mean? Well, he begins to talk. He begins to, I pour out my soul. I remember what it was like. I remember what it was like going to the house of God. I remember what it was like. I used to lead the multitudes, and I used to do this and that and the other. And he starts to just kind of talk himself into depression, right? Like there's a time and a place to share things. And then there's kind of a time and a place where you just got to tell your soul, shut up. Like, don't talk about it. <laughs> now, I know this is a huge generalization, so just pardon. Just go with me for a second, Okay. A huge generalization is that men don't verbally process as much as women, okay? And some people would just say that men, you know, we just, you know, we're not fully assembled when we come out. Women are fully assembled in their mouth and their mind. Just, you know, they can process like crazy. And, and, and some men have a, a challenge verbally processing. You know, it's like the wife that says, you know, how was your day? Good, okay. What'd you guys do? Just hung out with the guys. But what'd you do? We just hung out. I know, but what'd you do? I mean, we ate dinner and we watched a movie and the woman's like, well, what'd you talk about? 
I'm like, I don't know what we talked about. I mean, we just thought we just hung out, you know? You ask that same question to a woman, how was your day? Buckle up. <laughs> Verbal processing. My wife and I, we would have challenges early on in our marriage because she'd want to verbally process at nine o'clock at night. <laughs> and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, you know? And then, then she'd be like, <laughs> she'd make the statement. She'd be like, are you even listening to me? Did you just hear what I said? And I'd be like, that's an odd way to start a conversation. <laughs> so you gotta know when to, you gotta know when to process and how to process, right? And sometimes you just need a break. Sometimes it's best for you not to say anything. This is good wisdom for a future marriage. Sometimes it's just best for you to listen. Mm-hmm, 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 you know? My wife's always like, honey, I just wanna process with you. And I'm like, but I have like five solutions to the problem that you're telling me about. We could just end the conversation about this whole thing now because I've already rerouted you and I, I got all the solutions, baby, you know? <laughs> Here's another lie of the enemy. Lie of the enemy is that when you're in marriage, it's like, uh, you, you, you guys will just, you, you, don't, you don't match. You're never gonna really match up. You, you married the wrong person. You're, you're, you're nothing alike. And I just wanna encourage you, if you're married in this room and the, the devil's ever played that lie, uh, you, you're, you are nothing alike. Like, I, that's why God put you together. Like, like, you think you're a lot alike right now, like when you're dating, you think that you're so alike and you got all the same interests and everything like that. And then there's times where suddenly you're not. Like in our first year of marriage, I don't know if you've heard this before, but my wife became deathly ill with opinions. <laughs> I was like, man, before we were married, everything I wanted to do, you wanted to do. It was like, it was the coolest idea ever. And then suddenly we're in marriage and she's like, I don't want to do that. I actually want to go here. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to eat that. I want to eat this. Oh, Okay, well, I really don't like sushi, though, <laughs> but, you know, but she wants to do sushi. <laughs> Anyways, get back on track. So you need, to, you need to stop listening to yourself, and then number three, you need to start talking to yourself. <laughs> and I know you're thinking, like, if I start talking to myself, they're going to send me to the nut house. No, I, you got to start talking to yourself the right way. You need to partner with the things of God. Like, like one of the things for, for me that I'm super anal about with our kids is we never want to partner with a spirit or an infirmity or a diagnosis or what have you. We don't partner with that, what the world says. We partner with what the Word of God says. So yes, I may be sick right now, but I'm healed of the Lord. That's my confession. Yeah, I may have a bad day, but I'm not, I'm not claiming anxiety or that's just my anxiety. That's just my depression. This just runs in my family. No, I belong to a new family line. I've been washed and cleansed by the blood. I have the mind of Christ. Come on. So you got to be again to start talking to yourself and start talking to yourself with the word of God. Next week, we're going to have available to you guys. Uh, we, we've had them before. We just, uh, they, everybody took so many copies. We ran out and they are daily declarations. And we have a whole page of daily declarations of things like, 
Uh, I, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I have the mind of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. No weapon formed against me will prosper, but I will prosper at all that I set my hand to. I have favor in the sight of God and of man. I have the mind of Christ. We have a whole list of declarations, and I do these declarations with my kids when I drive them to school. So like 15 minutes before we get to school and I drop them off, I bring out the sheets of paper that we keep in the car. I said, all right, kids, it's time for daily declarations. And then and we literally, and we go through it, right? We go through all the declarations. And then on the back side of that, we have the list of the Ten Commandments. And we have the fruit of the Spirit that's laid out right there for everybody. So we're going to have that available to you next week as a great resource to you. But I want to encourage you, start talking to yourself. David did this in Psalms 42, verse 5. Uh, he, he said this. He says, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? And now here he goes. Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And I just want to break that down. When he's saying, like, why are you cast down? Uh, why are you disquieted? That, that word cast down, it literally means depressed. Disquieted, disquieted is like a, a roaring. So it's disquieted, it's roaring. So my, 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 why are you cast down? And we don't think of it this way, but you just think of the word depression, okay? Just think of the word depression. Now pull it back a little bit. Think of the word depress, okay? When you leave today, if you're driving an automobile, you will push down on the gas pedal to make the car go. You will depress the gas pedal to go, okay? To be depressed is just you're, you're pushed down. You're just simply going through a time. You're having thoughts where you're feeling pushed down. That's why it's so important to have a connect group. It's not, hey, this is just a cool Christian activity that they do this throughout the week. No, no, no. We have connect groups so that you continue to live that victorious life. You continually live from that place of victory. You continually have that sense of community. So no matter how pressed down you get, you're only a few days away before somebody in that connect group is going to help lift you up. So if you've battled that depression, anxiety, man, the word of God speaks a better word over your life, but I can't do it for you. I can, I, we can pray for you and we will pray every single Sunday. We always have a time of prayer at the end of service and God can do something in a moment. But here's the challenge that happens when you're saved. The challenge that happens when you're saved is you have a soul and you have a spirit. <laughs> And your soul has been ruling a lot longer than your spirit has. Like when, when, you were, when, when, when conception happens, your soul begins to be formulated, right? Like any of you that have kids. I have a whole bunch of kids. We lost count. But right, right now under our roof, we still have four. We have a total of five. I'm just kidding. We have five, but we got four at the house still. My oldest daughter, she's married. She's got two grandbabies. They're going to be here in a couple months. You're going to meet them. They're awesome. And But like my kids, all four of them, you could line them up and have conversations with each one of them. They are so different, man. So different. Like, like my first daughter, Brighton, when she was born, like she was like the perfect baby. Easy, fun, laughed. She, she was just super easy. Whatever we told her to do, she said yes. Like she was literally the kid. I remember one morning waking up and, and go, going to go. I, I'd like to wake up early in the morning because it's the only time when you have kids. It's the only time you have peace and quiet. <laughs> so I was waking up early in the morning. And we lived in this little 1,200 square foot house and, and I, I'm tiptoeing out and I see the light on in my daughter's room. And I'm like, oh my 
goodness, like who's, anybody sleepwalk out of the house, which that was a thing in the Peterson house for a while. And so, so I'm looking, so I go in and I open the door and check in and my girls had bunk beds and the light was on, Juju's in the bottom bunk and she's crashed out because she could sleep until Jesus comes. And then, but on the top bunk, on the top bunk was Brighton and she's sitting there cross-legged and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and she's like, hi dad. And I'm like, hi, it's like five in the morning. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm just reading my Bible. I'm like, okay. And I shut the door and I'm like, am I even saved, Lord? (laughs) Who is this child? Kids are so different. Like, we're so different. Like, you know, you you just got to see how you're wired and and, and, and lean into the things of God and help them, help them, allow them to help you to get out of some of those different situations you might find yourself in. But I just want to encourage you, God wired you the way you're wired for a reason. And he's going to speak to you the way that you're wired. I like to sit in my quiet chair in the morning, cup of coffee, Bible out. That's, that's heaven to me. I also like going out and walking at the beach or doing a walk in nature. That's heaven to me. How you encounter God, take note of it, do more of that. Psalms 131 verse 2 says this, David, he talked about his soul in a few different ways. In this way, he talked about his soul like a weaned child. He said, surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me, like a weaned baby. When you wean a baby, what are you doing? You're moving it off liquids and onto solid foods, right? The apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church, the Corinthians were very soulish people, and he tells them, I'd love to feed you meat. Like, I'd love to give you a steak dinner of deep teaching. But I can't because you're still baby. So I have to feed you spiritual milk. Anytime that you move off of spiritual milk into more solid food, when you begin to discipline your soul, your soul <laughs> doesn't always like it, man. Like, it's going to scream like, I'm in charge. No, you're not. And there's a principle in Scripture, I don't have time to teach it, but there's a principle in Scripture you see from Jacob and Esau where the older begins to serve the younger. And so the older is your soul begins to serve the younger, your spirit. Your, your spirit needs to rule over your soul. That's, that's for a different day. All right, so number four, the fourth thing that you do is you go to God. Go to God. When you're under attack, you go to God like that deer that needs water. Go to God. Don't resist going to church. Don't resist uh, gathering prayer support from different people. Don't resist texting that brother or sister saying, could you pray for me today? I'm really having a tough day. Like one of the things that you should know about your pastor is I have uh, a group of people in my life that text me every single week. They text me with these awesome accountability questions that are super personal and uncomfortable. And, um, and then I answer back. And the, the last question that we ask each other is, did you just lie to me? <laughs> like, here's your last chance, brother. You better come clean, right? And, and so we, we have this. We go back and forth with each other. And that's just great accountability. We all need people like that in our lives that we can go to. We all need people like that that can hold us accountable. So David says a, a few different times, and it sounds like the same thing. And this is where we're going to land the plane. Sounds like the same thing. Psalms 42, verse 5, he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Psalms 42, verse 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him the help of my countenance and my God. 
It changed there. Now look at Psalms 43, verse 5, which again, this is, a, this is the, it was known that they, David would have written this all at one time. Psalm 43, verse 5 says, Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Those three verses sound the same, but they're not. The first one, David is talking about himself. And, and, and he's talking, and he looks and he says, his countenance, God's countenance. That's what his focus was on. And then in uh, verse 11 of Psalm 42, and then in Psalms 43, verse 5, he talks about my countenance and my God. In other words, what David is saying, when I spend time looking at your countenance, God, it changes my countenance. When I spend time looking at your countenance, it changes my countenance. When I spend time in your word, it changes my words. When I spend time in your presence, it changes how I live and how I walk. Isaac, you can come up and play something nice softly on the guitar for me. That would be great as we conclude. You know, Psalms 104 verse 5 is probably one of my favorite psalms. I quote it almost every day. And it says this. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercies everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. So I just want to encourage you, those four points, to remember those when you're facing that, when you're feeling that you're being pressed down, when you're feeling that, that day of depression that comes or that moment. Don't let that moment turn into a full day. Don't let that day turn into a week. Don't let those weeks turn into months. If you do, if you do not address those areas of your life, that begins to cripple you. When you go through seasons of depression, that cripples you. When you're crippled, you lack mobility. You don't have fluidity. You're not going to be able to go as fast and as far as you want to go and do the things you want to do because you have something that's crippling you. This morning, if you walked in here and you're feeling that that's crippling you, your honesty is beautiful to the Lord, and we want to pray with you. We want to pray for you this morning. And I just want to remind you those areas. Recognize you're in a battle. Recognize. Man, I'm in a battle right now. Don't be shy about it. You're in a battle, man. Admit it. Stop listening to yourself. Start talking to yourself. And go to God back where we began, 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, it said, David was greatly distressed. So he's not denying the fact that he was, what he was feeling. I'm feeling stress. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the feels, man. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how. I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm feeling all the feels. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And this morning, we're just going to have a time as we close today. We're going to open up the front for prayer. And we're just going to all stand together at this time. And anytime I hear a message, I like to personalize it and just say, Lord, what are you speaking to me? What do you have for me? What did I just hear? What did I just read out of your word, Lord, that you are speaking to me? So I'm going to invite our, our prayer team to come up at the front right now this morning. And on both sides, on the left and right, there's going to be people here that would love to pray with you. In fact, they've been praying for you already this morning, praying for you for this moment, that you would have an encounter with God and that whatever is feeling heavy on you, 
is going to suddenly become light. It's going to become light. It's just going to fall off of you. And I, I had an image as I prayed for you that literally it's like you walked in and in the, it's, it's, it's a person in a yoke. If you know what a yoke is, they hook the animals up to the yoke and they walk around in a circle, right? And, and, and they would have the yoke and they would yoke up different uh, cattle together and they would move at the same speed so that they could, they, they, they'd be able to utilize them for, for farming. And, and I saw a person in a yoke and you're just, you're holding it, but the yoke is massive and all you have to do is slide your head out of it, take your arms out. You don't have to wear that anymore. God did not design you to wear that yoke that you're wearing. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And he wants to lighten things up for you. So as Isaac just leads us in a, in a chorus of worship, I just want to invite you, if you need prayer today, come up front for, for prayer. If you need prayer for anything. And maybe you're here today and you've not made Jesus your Lord and Savior. You're here, you're like, man, this is so different for me. I've not come into a church like this before ever in my life. I don't even know if I'm saved. If that's you, there's a scripture out of Romans 10, 9. Paul writes this, the Apostle Paul, he writes, and he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You just got to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from your, the dead, you're going to be saved. And then in the book of Acts, we have this scripture in Acts 2.38. Peter tells them to do two things for two reasons. He says, repent and be baptized. Repent, walk in that forgiveness, walk in that freedom, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. If you have not yet been baptized, today is your day. Maybe you've been baptized, but you kind of drifted, and today's a day of coming home for you. And you're like, I don't have a change of clothes. Who cares? I would rather be wet and right with God than comfortable and not right with God. Being baptized isn't an encouragement in the scriptures. Jesus said, everyone who calls on me, everyone who's going to be a disciple, that they would be baptized. That's a hallmark of a disciple. Go and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. And if you've come today, we got towels for you, man. We got hot tacos for you afterwards. You know, you're going to be happy. I'd rather be a little bit cold, but right with God than totally comfortable, but be wrong with God. Amen. And we have shirts for you too. My wife was telling me we have cool black authentic shirts for you if you need it. Yeah. Or you can go in your own clothes. Let me, let me close us in prayer and then we're just going to have a, we're going to dismiss and for those who would like prayer, you can come forward and the rest of you can go pick up your kids, grab tacos, hang out. But if you want prayer, I want to encourage you this morning, come forward for prayer. Jesus, we thank you for your word that's life to us. We thank you for leading us in the path of everlasting love. We thank you for setting people free today. God, I pray, Father, when the devil comes in, when anxiety tries to attack, when depression tries to hold us back and push us down, that your word speaks a better word over that situation. And so, Lord, I pray for freedom. I pray for life. I pray for healing. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that you would send healing right now to places that no medicine could ever get to. And I pray for those that have been on medicines and medication, God, that you'd give them wisdom with that. And God, I pray that they would be set completely free. I pray for those that are sick in their physical bodies, that are hurting, 
ailments, knees, shoulders, backs. I pray healing in those areas. Those that feel estranged from you, that today is a homecoming day, that they're coming back to you today. And God, we give you thanks and praise for what you've done and for all you're going to do this week. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.